Nobody ever figures out what life is all about. And it doesn't matter. Explore the world. Nearly everything is really interesting if you get into it deeply enough. Richard P. Feynman. Welcome to Supreme Lessons, the number one podcast about the art and science of education. I'm your host, Giovanni, and every week we'll be delving into education reform, the most effective learning techniques, and the research that drives it all. Join us as we expose the keys to unlocking genius one episode at a time, here on Supreme Lessons. Today I want to discuss my favorite teaching method, the Feynman Technique. I love this approach so much, it's the foundation of all the teaching and learning that I've done in my adult life. The Feynman Technique is named after its founder, Richard P. Feynman, an American physicist and Nobel Prize winner for his contributions in quantum electrodynamics. Feynman developed his strategy to better teach his students complex physics and mathematical concepts in a more efficient and accessible way. There are four steps in this technique. The first is to identify. Pick a specific concept and narrow your focus on the most core elements. Number two is to present. Take notes as you review the subject. Then use those notes to explain the material to someone else in your own words. Step three is to review. As you explain the subject, take note of the things that you're not totally clear on. Anything you have a hard time explaining should be reviewed as well. Finally, simplify. Reduce all the complex terms down to the most basic words that you can think of. Replace lengthy, abstract examples with relatable stories. The best way to confirm your mastery of a concept is to share it with someone else. And when you deliver the lesson, make it clear and concise. Avoid pretentious, ambiguous, complex language. Despite popular belief, learning new words is not about sounding sophisticated or proving one's intelligence. The real purpose of expanding one's vocabulary is to give one liberty of mind and the ability to express their thoughts in an infinite number of ways. Many are only interested in using obscure and complicated words to impress others. But this kind of pseudo-intellectualism should be avoided. There's a study published in the 2006 edition of the Journal of Applied Cognitive Science titled Problems with Using Long Words Needlessly that concludes using big words to appear smarter actually has a negative impact on the listener's perception of the speaker's intelligence. People who use inflated language were viewed less intelligent and untrustworthy. The negative relationship between pointless wordiness and intelligence is traced back to a lack of understanding and relevancy. In many cases, this type of talk is used to intimidate, manipulate, and deceive the listener. Deliberately explaining things in an overly wordy or complex manner is known as doublespeak. There are four types of language to avoid when explaining things. Euphemism. This is when you use misleading words to describe something. Jargon. This is industry-specific language no one outside the specific industry is familiar with. Inflated language. This is just an exaggeration. And finally, gobbledygook. This happens when a person says a lot of words that are equal to little or no substance. An example of a euphemism is calling an untrue statement an alternative fact instead of calling it a lie. 
Jargon is when a doctor says you've contracted a novel upper respiratory tract infection instead of just saying you have a common cold. Responding to a simple how are you with absolutely fantastically splendid is an example of inflated language. Gobbledygook sounds like this. Imagine my wife asking, where were you last night? And me responding, it is my understanding that the aforementioned inquiry pertaining the subject of interrogation and its geographical whereabouts at a specified time of day is to be responded to directly and without hesitation. Notice how I spoke as if I was answering the question when in reality, all I did was restate it in an affirmative tone. Avoiding these types of language will make you a better teacher, and being more aware of these cunning tactics will make you a more critical thinker. The goal of communication is to transfer ideas from one person to another. It doesn't matter how smart or experienced a person is, if they're using words no one is familiar with to explain a subject that is also new, they might as well be speaking a foreign language. If you really want to impress a person, say something worth listening to and keep it simple. Don't overgeneralize, but be direct and clear in your speech to minimize the chance of misinterpretation. To do this, use as few words as possible to express the biggest ideas. Use analogies to make connections between things people already understand and new information. Be as foundational as possible when teaching new concepts to avoid confusion because most people can understand the gist of a new idea, but frequently get bogged down by terminology. Focus on the idea and use case of the concept, then categorize those elements based on their respective technical term. In other words, don't start with the Pythagorean theorem. It's too foreign for people who are just learning this type of math for the first time. Instead, start with the logical premises of two things that are already identified being used to reveal a third thing. Remember, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. So avoid extra turns and plot twists when introducing new material. It's not necessary to cover every minute detail and exception in the beginning unless you want to confuse or overwhelm your audience. I pride myself on only covering the essentials in my lessons. That is, what, why, and how. What are we talking about? Why is it important, or why should I care? And how can I use this information in life? After covering the what, why, and how aspects of a concept, you can place these facts under the umbrella of a common term which feels more like a bow on top than an extra thing to have to figure out later. Finally, remember to explain everything with the intention of using the information later on. Too often we deliver a lesson without placing enough emphasis on utility. Things stick in the mind better when they are useful and are being used. Okay, before I let you go, I want to leave you with some helpful tips. First, always keep your why alive. As children, we're curious about everything. Each answer we get is immediately followed by a resounding why, until our appetite for knowledge is filled. But at some point, we stop asking questions and start taking things at face value without seeking evidence. I encourage everyone to continue keeping their why alive as long as possible. While I'm on the subject of why, if your students aren't asking questions, start asking them questions to check for understanding. If students can give the core details of a lesson in their own words, then they've understood the material and are ready to put it to use. Other helpful tools to pair with the Feynman technique 
are infographics, real-world exercise drills, and flashcards, which can either be done online or on physical cue cards. Well, that's my time. Thanks for joining me today. Got a topic you want me to cover next? Email your request to ask at supremelessons.com. I would love to hear from you. Don't forget to check out our other episodes. New segments drop every Tuesday. Supreme Lessons is powered by Bando LLC and produced and edited by yours truly. See you next time. Peace.